Are you exploring vocal fry for middle-aged men? Yeah. Yeah. Ask me what I'm wearing. What are you, what are you wearing? Actually, I made it myself. Okay. <laughs> Welcome <laughs> to Peter's Frenemies. Um, uh, I was about to say an advice show for the modern era, but that's not what this is about. This is about you tell us, Derek. This is the podcast where we watch the movie Peter's Friends once a month for a whole year and after we do we sit down and talk about it and our feelings our feelings good and bad we ask ourselves these questions each time what delighted you this time what annoyed you this time what surprised you this time and finally we check in on who's Peter's real friend this time so we ask ourselves those questions and you as the listener may ask yourself those questions if you're playing at home and you may ask uh, another fifth question which is why are Indy and Derek doing this and that is actually a very fair question but one that we just merrily skate over month to month and if you've seen the movie then ask yourself these questions or contact us and ask us a question ask us a question for the um, show oh, because we do accept questions if you haven't seen the movie ask yourself what am I doing on episode 7 of this podcast? Am I a strange person? If so, how strange? And do I like my strangeness? <laughs> okay. Well, we like your strangeness, so I just want to make that a, a sort of official. Okay, so let's start with the first question then. What delighted us most in this viewing? Derek, would you like to go first? Yes. <laughs> my answer to that question is this. This time when watching Peter's Friends, I was delighted by a bit of acting done by Emma Thompson, who plays Maggie. There's a moment that we've talked about before where Tony Slattery, who plays Brian, mm -hmm. um, he does an awful thing where he uh, makes up a jingle for an airline and he does it on the fly, improvising it at the uh, dinner table. When he's doing that, Maggie is in shot. She's actually to his right. She's in. She's sort of at the edge of the frame, the right-hand side of the frame. So she's not, you know, if you like, on. She's not part of the scene, but she's in the frame. She's not supposed to be doing anything special. So what you see in Emma Thompson's face is her acting as Maggie, but then drifting a little bit, you know, and just being Emma Thompson, and then going back to acting as Maggie. And it's lovely, because you see her looking at Tony, uh, not Brian, but Tony, her friend, and enjoying his comedy stylings. Mm. And then you see her go back to her acting. Uh, and it's, it's, it's a nice little moment. It's quite genuine. So check it out. I will. And it's actually quite coincidental because I had two delights, a minor delight, which was just Maggie's quilted nightgown, her dressing gown. Um, Are you perhaps middle-aged? Perhaps. <laughs> Rumour has it. But um, I... Um, you even talked about making one. I did. I did. Look, 
you know, you, you talk about... take 20 years. You talk about a lot of things while you're watching Peter's Friends for the seventh time. Um, but my delight was actually Stephen Fry's face during that very same really? scene. Yeah. That's weird. You can see I've got fly a a a a with me. Um, not because the acting is good. It's actually really over the top. He's doing all this kind of, what's the scent? In, in the theatre world, it's called mugging. But he's he's doing some really big faces, um, and it made me watch him a lot more in scenes where he wasn't the focus, and I began to notice how much, <laughs> how many of these faces he was pulling, and I kind of found it delightful, N not admirable, like in terms of its, you know, I don't think Stephen Fry is a great actor, but you know, I just enjoyed watching his face. Okay, it's not a coincidence. We mm. both were kind of doing the whole screen scan mm. while Tony was embarrassing everybody. Okay, um, that's the delight. So on to the annoy. What annoyed you this time, Mbinimi, if that is your real name? I, I have, a, again, I have a couple of minor annoyances. Well, you can be bringing I a can. smorgasbord. Oh, I brought a potpourri of ideas. Yeah, well, look, there's a lot that annoys me, and I feel there's like... There's also a few more episodes to go <laughs> Oh, there will be more, I can tell it's you. It's the horn of plenty. I just want to say, <laughs> Carol's water soup, annoying. Water what? Water soup. When she's drinking, oh, eating... Oh, it's that's just water. Just, it's, it's just, just water. annoying. Why are you doing that? And when she says, do you have any petty fives to Vera? And that doesn't make any sense. For those who aren't watching the movie seven times, what Amy's talking about is Carol incredibly diet conscious and weight conscious she sips water from a soup bowl instead of having creamy soup and then she makes this bad joke about petty four what is petty four petty four i think they're like little kind of they're little cakes um right yes you know whips and bake cakes. off yeah and she says oh i'm not into that can i have a petty five what a great joke no it isn't because it would be a good <laughs> joke if she said do you have a petty three yes you know that would make sense. It doesn't make sense that she actually goes from four to five. I'm just saying it. So annoying. But the most annoying thing was when... The script writers just kind of shuddered in their beds or graves. You caught them out. I did. I caught that sloppy, sloppy. Sloppy. Um, uh, the, the, the really annoying thing was when uh, Peter, played by Stephen Fry, says when Maggie brings down the Christmas presents, says... Oh, Mags, Christmas was last week, says the man who has put tinsel on a stuffed bear and has an inflatable snowman in his driveway, has like four Christmas trees. Like, I, there, I think in the opening scene with Mr. Gooch, there is um, tinsel on what looks like a, um, the skeleton of a small child. Like, he has... Okay, now you're scaring me. Yeah, well, you need to check that. Bit out. So on the is chair. It the kid from is the same kid from Three Men and a Baby? Yes. Maybe he's a, yes. he's a, he's a Skellington now and he's a Christmas Skellington. <laughs> he's a Skellington. Anyway, that do I ghosts, just... Do ghosts have Skellingtons? Skellingtons are scary, but do goats have ghost Skellingtons? What's a Skellington? You know. Can I just, uh, just to, 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 to do the tie a bow on it that you know, just like Peter at the end of the song. Can we just, it's, I, maybe he's just covering up for the, his embarrassment that he doesn't have any presents for 
other people, but still. No, it's one of those badly written throwaway lines. Someone's got to say something, and the line that's slotted in is, Christmas was last week, when in fact, yeah, he's Christmas king. He dressed the entire house out for the fact that, you know, him alone lives there, and then these people come on New Year's. He dressed the house for them. Yeah. And he's like, no, it's not Christmas. What annoyed me is back to Carol, the weight-conscious American actress. She she t- says a line which is very, very annoying. They're having that argument up in the bedroom, her and Andrew. And listen to this for a genuine statement. He says, these are my best friends and I only see them once a century. Hmm. Right? And that's kind of, it's basically true, according to the film. And her next line is, if that's what's important to you, maybe you should go down to them and leave me here. Which is, in my book, incredibly unreasonable. It, it is taken sort of out of context, but they have actually set that up by saying, I thought we were going to work on our relationship on this trip. Yes, the, the, the lead-up does so, justify a bit, a bit mm-hmm. but if she's supposed to be a real person and your real partner said that to you, you'd kind of go, oh, wait a minute, actually, this is only one of two nights that they're going to be together for years. I'll just give him whatever, I'll give him the time with his friends and we'll sort this out later. Yeah, look, it's right. It's not, it's not reasonable and I, I worry for her future relationships. Luckily, she's a character and not a person. Well, yeah. But yes, I worry for that woman. That woman. <laughs> that woman. That, that woman with her woman. yellow washing up gloves. Made of wool. Um, okay, so... Uh, that surprised you. <laughs> it's my turn. Oh. Oh, wait a minute. Before we go to surprise, let's take a little trip to... Corrections, Corrections Corner. Corner. And now, stop it. I don't want to have to tell you again. Stop it now. Sorry. I've got two things that I want to do a correction on. Mm-hmm. Um, one, very minor. I think last time when we had our guest on, Amy, we were saying, oh, who is Stephen Fry quoting when he quotes Chesterton? And we were like, Chesterson, chestnuts, chestnuts roasting on an open sun. Uh, and what we came to was, I think Chesterton, it is Chesterton, the, the famous author about which I do not know much. And my other correction has got to do with one of our first observations of the film. We said, the music never stops. The music is like, the songs keep coming, they keep coming. And they're like, every 60 seconds. <laughs> it's like commercial radio. <laughs> and to fill the space where there isn't great, great entertainment, they fill it with pop songs. And we said, there must be a song every 60 seconds. There must be like a gap of 60 seconds or 90 seconds between the songs. I thought it's time to test that. So last night I got my timer out. And you got your science on. I got my science on. And I did start timing the gap between the songs. (laughs) I wondered what you were doing. I saw you. The correction is, uh, as the film starts, yes, the songs keep coming thick and fast. Mm. In fact, the gap between the songs varies between just 18 seconds. Whoa. And then uh, up to about 32 seconds is a bigger gap, but not much of a gap between songs. But then, correction time, as the movie gets into its second act, the songs do back off and it's like three or four minutes. And then it's like long gaps where there's actual drama going on and less songs. So it's true. The first third of the film or a quarter is ridiculously packed with pop songs. And then it kind of evens out. It's, it, it settles down. It Settle, settles down. Everyone calms the fuck down. Hey, that's a swears. I know. Um, well, it's interesting because I did write 
make an observation about one of the songs um, and one of the scenes because I felt like the only scene in the entire movie where they're all together and enjoying each other's company, we don't hear what they're talking about. It's during the sort of Don't Get Me Wrong, the Pretenders song. And they're all like enjoying the food and laughing and having a really great time and we can't hear a word. <laughs> I just thought maybe that's because the um, screenplay writers just really couldn't be bothered kind of establishing that with actual words. So they had words. a page of just rhubarb, rhubarb, rhubarb. Yeah, yeah, that's right. So what's the correction here? That wasn't a correction. It was just I was just building ah. on that, but there is a correction. And again, it's a correction on a correction. It's like we're in inception correction corner now. Oh, my God. Um, so was it blessed poppet? Was it blessed poppet? Turns out it's bless, comma, poppet. Which I Be kind a... of always knew. But why did you not say because anything? Because I thought maybe you were onto something. I have that much faith in you. Wow. You discovered Peter saying blessed poppet or blessed poppet, something I'd never heard before. But in the back of my brain, I always knew that the word bless is a word that people use as an affectionate term, and poppet is also a phrase. Yeah, so I thought it was, like, I didn't realise there was the comma, because he says, be a bless poppet. Yes, be a so, bless. So, yes, but you could have said, be a bless poppet. See, that, that, you can hear the comma. Yes, I hear you. He could have said it better. He could have said it better, and the <laughs> line would have been clearer, and we would not be spending so much time talking can about it. Can you feel it. how deep we are in this hole? <laughs> We're like, I don't know, there's the basement and then there's a sub-basement of an issue and then there's the, the Andromeda strain which they keep eight layers, well I don't know how down below the ground they keep that uh, virus or thing from outer space. Anyway, we're down there, let's go up the levels, well, out of the dreamception. We, I think we're at the plague pit under the house. Anyway, <laughs> let's go on because it's a ghost's reference um, let's leave. for one of our readers. Corrections listeners. Corner. Okay, let's leave. <laughs> Stop it. I don't have to tell you again. Stop it now. Sorry. Okay, so what was surprising, Derek? Bit of a surprise. Not a huge issue. But uh, they arrive to the house. Stephen Fry welcomes them. They all get out of the car. And Andrew says to Peter, What's that? Pointing at his, his belly in, a, in his waistcoat. <clears throat> and he says, That, Andrew, is a pot belly. We have those here in England, along with culture. Oh, sick burn. But then... Guess what? Stephen Fry is quite svelte. Yeah. He's a svelte fry. Unlike maybe the fry of the day, he's quite stringy. And Andrew ain't. He ain't too svelte. Yeah. And he's got a bit of a tummy, a bit of a tum-tum, maybe a bit of a Teddy Ruxpin. Teddy Ruxpin? <laughs> Where are you going? <laughs> I don't what? know. What? Teddy, uh, teddy help. Help me. <laughs> maybe a bit of a Teddy Ruxpin-sized belly. <laughs> Teddy Ruxpin. Talking teddy bear from the 80s. Okay. Anyway, uh, wow. he's got a little bit of a teddy bear belly. He And, and it's accentuated by the uh, fact that he likes to wear woolen sweaters tucked into his belt. Yeah, like, yeah, no, I've noticed that too with his summer weight jacket, which, yes. you know. So anyway, Andrew, you've got a little bit of a tum. Yeah. Stephen does not. And the whole joke, therefore, is poppycock. Yes, and don't be fat shaming Stephen. Your body, your business. My body, my business. My business <laughs> is, is everybody's, is everybody's business. Body beeswax. Um, okay, yeah, that that I, I actually it's interesting that you said because I actually made the same observation. I didn't write it down, but it was something that I noticed. Um, for me, the surprise was 
um, when everyone's settling in and Andrew and Peter see Vera and um, she's looking stressed and angry and, and Peter says, is everything all right? And she says, not enough towels. She's carrying some towels. And I'm like, that's down to Vera's poor planning because there hasn't been any extra guests. He laid it all out. He's like Sarah and her friend in there and Roger and Mary there. And, you know, so there's, she could have done the math and there would have been, see, do the math. She could have done the maths and actually the mathematics. Well, whatever. Math, maths, maths, mathematics. Math, math, Walter, Walter maths you. Okay. Walter mathematics you. <laughs> Ted, Ted. Teddy Ruxpin? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, so what you're saying is she's sort of towel planning shaming him. Well, no. When he's not the towel planner. No, but. But but she's being all stressed about it, and I'm like. But it's her business. It's, it's it's actually her business, and she should have planned better, and she should have um I don't know been a little bit more. Would it be nice if we had alternate versions of these scenes, hmm. where we could just maybe we would create them where you know unreasonable moments like that she goes well there's not enough towels and he just goes feck off. <laughs> <laughs> feck off towels are your thing. Yeah, was... towels are your thing. Yeah, he was into decorating Christmas trees and putting tinsel on <laughs> skeletons. On a Charles skeleton. On a skeleton. Skeleton. <laughs> anyway. Um, do we have anything from our listeners? We do, actually. If that's the case, get on your horsey, because we're going to take a clippity-clop ride over to Listener's Corner. Thank you, you came along. I got your letter. Ah, yeah. Thank uh, you. It meant a great deal to me. Where we are in Listener's Corner, the corner that belongs to you. Yeah. Thank you, listeners, for calling in, writing in. Calling in? Let's say calling okay. in. Yeah. And giving We're us questions. We're calling it in. We're so calling it in. At we're dialing it in. We're calling <laughs> it in. Uh, Imbi, what do we have from a listener? Dear Listener's Corner. Strong start. Can you fix it for me? <laughs> oh no, don't go there. Do you think Peter's friends could have been improved by giving it a better title? What else could it have been called? The Return of the Cambridge Seven? The Big Warm? Or do you think it's beyond, etc.? And then this listener adds, where are the good film titles now? Like Rural Juror and its sequel, Urban Fervor. Nice reference yeah. to 30 Rock? Yeah, 30 yes. Rock. Okay, if it wasn't called... Well, first of all, on the second question, where are the good titles now? Uh, another podcast has riffed on this, the fact that we have terrible titles these days, like the new Jared Butler film, just called Plane. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, Is that Plane as in P-L-A-I-N? As in... Yeah, no, no, but... Because it's a plain title. It's a plain title, yeah. yeah. see? See where I went Actually, with that? Actually, they made that joke too. So back oh. to our podcast. Oh. Uh, titles these days are a real mixed bag, but there are some lovely ones, you know, everything, everywhere, all at once. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Triangle some of, of Sadness. Some of those new indie films have titles that uh, the Banshees of Inisher. You get a lot of interesting titles now. But what the, was that? The Banshees of Inisher. The Banshees of The Oscar-nominated Banshees of Inisher. <laughs> That's how most people who are not Irish say that title, <laughs> don't they? They don't know how to say it. Good uh, I can I have two tickets for the Binchy Mitchy Mitchy Midget? So okay. old, olden movie titles, I think maybe were uh, just as mixed. 
But this title, if it wasn't Peter's Friends, Warm Shield's good, maybe Small, the, but the Small Warm. No, he suggested the Big, the big warm. warm. Maybe the Small Warm. Or just the Lukewarm. Like that. Mm-hmm. Um, another thing might be... Too Many Christmas Trees? No, I think, um, <laughs> I, think uh, I would go for Friends Peter. Is there any punctuation in there? Yes, it's friend, comma, no, friend, apostrophe, S, Peter. Because really, it is about their friends, Peter. True. John Peter, or Peter Pecker. What the hell? I don't know where I'm going with this. I've lost you. So I'm going to go and stop you. And I'm going to say, I'm going to say other words. The words I'm going to say is, it should have been called Peter's Frenemies. Boom, mic drop. I'll just drop this mic. Boom. Wow. Okay. Uh, Any other questions from our listeners? No, that's all Let's get out of here. But send us some more questions, people. Yes, get in touch. Through the ways. Yes. And um, (laughs) we'll we'll add an email to the show on the the, um, internet. All right. (laughs) Bye. Bye. I got your letter. Thank you. It meant a great deal to me. Um, all right, so we come to our final question, which is, who is Peter's real friend? And I shall go first. In this viewing, I, I, I have to admit, I went in with this idea of, like, making a case for Sarah or making a case for Andrew, and I quickly gave up on that. Um, it's uh, actually just too plan, hard. It was just too hard, and I was too tired. Yeah, that's right, and I just was like, you know what? I'm not going to do that. I am instead going to find someone else. And I found that person. I found an unsung hero. And that is the chauffeur. So Andrew and Carol, they arrive in a chauffeur-driven car. The chauffeur helps with the baggage. Yes, and he does. And so does um, oh, Brian, Brian using his teeth. Well, also, yes. And and it's also Paul's grift, remember. Um he takes the tip and then we do not see him again until? until he's taking Carol back to the airport where no doubt he'll have to turn, he'll go all the way to Heathrow and then he'll have to drive back to Tunbridge Wells or whatever, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> Old Marston, I think, Old Marston. Um, Tunbridge Wells. Uh, Tood Hall. Um, and he will have to, uh, to take wait for Andrew to go back to the airport. And I just think... Is he, he a friend is, or is he someone who works well, in the no, service no. industry? Yes, he is someone who works in... But he is tireless. He's wordless. He has not got a single line. He is... He's doing his job. He's helping... But through his job, he is, in, he is acting loyal and he's a friend of Peter because he helps make things... And check. he's not editorialising like Vera and he's not sleeping with the guests like Paul. He is a true professional... And I I commend him. There's another okay, good one, good one. He's a loyal, and therefore he he does help Peter out in in many ways. It takes Carol well, away, and that's maybe in, maybe good. in one way. He drives a car. But <laughs> <laughs> you've hit on something there, Vera. She does editorialize. She does comment a lot on him and his life. And you know, in another alternative scene, when she's like, oh, Peter. I, you know, I really don't approve of this or that. He could just go, yeah, well, your son's shagging my guests. 
<laughs> so off your yeah. off your big high horse there, yeah. Mrs. Yeah. And also he wants to become a pilot because of Top Gun. Yeah. And he should get rid of those sun the aviator sunglasses and that jacket. I hope you're colorblind. Like Paul Dano in Little Miss Sunshine. Oh, Sad that's, times. Oh, no. That's Sad too, times. No. Okay. Okay. Sad times. All right. Sad All right. times. As well, for me, I've got, a, I've got a good one. Oh. I'm, I'm happy with this. This time, the real friend of Peter, the friend who is unsung again, is Carrie. Carrie? Okay. Yeah. Carrie. Carrie. Okay. Oh, God. Don't you love it? You love it when you bring up a character and I don't know who it is. Who is Carrie? Let me guess. Carrie is Carrie is <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Uh, Carrie is Andrew's Kenneth Branagh, Andrew's old ex-girlfriend who he dumps when he's tempted away by what's her name? Sarah. When Sarah tempts Andrew years back. He dumped his girlfriend and ended up uh, seeing Sarah for a bit. And then that they got didn't engaged. Work. They got engaged. Uh-huh. And then that didn't work out. And off he went to America where he met this, you know, uh, horror show of, of a Mrs. Carol. And, you know, don't forget that one of the biggest uh, betrayals or, or, or reasons for this film existing is that, you know, he did leave and he left Peter and Peter's life went off the rails and Peter never forgave him for leaving, really. No, no, he didn't. He didn't. And, he didn't. Um, says he did, but he did So, if Carol, sorry, if Carrie, Carrie and Andrew had stayed together instead of him dumping her, he wouldn't have gone to America, most likely, and he never would have left Peter in the lurch and the whole film wouldn't have had to happen. This triangle, or let's say septagon, heptagon of sadness, wouldn't have happened. Carrie, wherever you are, you're Peter's real friend and he doesn't even know it. Mm, I'm a... <laughs> That's my son. <laughs> That's my son. <laughs> All right. Well, well done you. That really, you, you, you've done, you've pulled another. I pulled it out of the bag. And on that bombshell. out of the hat. <laughs> on that bombshell. We will say farewell. We will. <clears throat> um, and we will venture forth into this Saturday. And you are probably listening to this on, I don't know, Sunday, because you're that, you're that much of a fan. Have a great time, you people, for a whole month. And while you're living your life, don't... Think of us. Think of us. <laughs> remember us. And <laughs> remember us well. <laughs> Tell her to knit me a chamomile shirt. <laughs> I've been singing that all week. Chamomile and, shirt? Yeah, it's not the lyrics, but... It's so beautiful. <laughs> Tell her to knit me a chamomile shirt, parsley, sage, and so on. <laughs> well, so, until... talking about a potpourri, see, do you see what I did there? I brought it right back. It's a circle of life. It is the triangle circle of life. Sadness. <laughs> Teddy Ruxpin. Until next time, mind Buttons the gap. The gap. <laughs> 